You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Winning a game is, that's the carrot for me right now. It needs to happen. Yeah, I said at the beginning of the season, I got asked a hundred times, what's a, what's a good result this year? What's a good record? How many games do you want to win? And my answer then was the same as it is now. We got to get better day by day. We had a lot to fix, a lot to do, a lot to install. There's no doubt watching the last three weeks how much better we've gotten. Um, Really since that Michigan game, it's really improved day by day and week by week. Uh, It breaks my heart for these guys that it hasn't led to a slash in the win column yet. We've been confident. We know if we play fundamentally, if we don't turn the ball over, if we don't commit penalties, if you know, they, we're, we're a pretty good team, and uh, it showed for the most part against Northwestern. We weren't, weren't able to finish, uh, but the guys are frustrated. The guys are upset. We know we're close, and uh, you can tell that there, there's that sense of focus. Let's get over the hump. Let's, let's, let's win this. Let's go 1-0. And, and, I, and I pre, I'm preaching to the offense. It's 1-0. Don't worry about the six games. Don't worry about next week, the week after. Let's be 1-0. Saturday night comes. We're 1-0, and we go from there. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Ronald Washett, and Nate Klaus. You heard from Scott Frost there and offensive coordinator Troy Walters. The message this week is just get a win. That's treated as its own season. Let's go 1-0 this week. Nebraska-Minnesota, 2-30 game here on the Big Ten Network. Huskers about a field goal favored at home. It's the first time Nebraska's been a favorite in a game, guys, I believe, since Troy. Uh, they, they were underdogs against Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwestern. Uh, so Nebraska, a favorite for the first time since their second game of the season. And, you know, it's frustrating because you, you go back, Robin, and we were both in Evanston over the weekend, and, and you look at that game. For 55 minutes, that looked like a fairly good football team, a team that, you know, could be a, a bowl eligibility team, a team that could play with about anybody in the conference other than maybe Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. Um, and, and Nebraska moved the ball. They played solid defense. Um, they did a lot of things you want to see, uh, but they could not finish that game. And, you know, after the game, I thought it was funny. Luke Gifford made a comment. Uh, Northwestern players came up to him and said, how are you guys 0-6? And I, I think that's the same thing we're saying still. How is this team 0-6? We know it's a better football team. And uh, the reality is, though, they're still 0-6. Yeah, Nebraska, in my opinion, was the better team for, like you said, 55 of those 60-plus or 60 plus minutes of that game. Uh, unfortunately, what it came down to are the same things that have plagued this team all season long. Mental mistakes, penalties, turnovers, just total breakdowns on defense at the worst possible times, um, special teams errors. Just go down the list. It was just a litany of the same things we've been talking about week in and week out as to what is holding this team back. And granted, they took a lot of steps forward and were on the very brink of finally getting over the hump and getting that first victory. But uh, the reality is they, they blew it when they had the chance. I mean, 99 yards to go with Northwestern with no timeouts and just over two minutes remaining. That is a game you have to win. Um, and time they got the ball back, recovered the onside kick. They were passive, and they ran the ball up the middle three straight times and gave it right back. And so, you know, I mean, just, just go down the list of all the opportunities Nebraska had to win that game, and they didn't do it. And so for me, that is the, the, the last remaining thing holding this team back is, um, you know, for one, can you actually play a full, clean football game 
And two, do you have the... Do you remember how to win a game? Yeah, the mental wherewithal I mean, to finish and win a game when, you, when it absolutely matters the most. And until they do that, uh, you know, they're not going to take that next step as a program. They've pretty much found every single way to lose a game. They've been <laughs> in every situation. They've been blown out. They've been in close ones. They've taken it to overtime. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. But I do think that the only encouraging thing right now is that there has been some progress made. And, and I think without that progress, you would see a team that's maybe not quite as hungry to come to practice every day and to keep plugging away at this deal. Um, because that's been the amazing thing to me is from talking with the coaches, talking with the players, just how upbeat everybody is. I mean, I, I've never – I mean, obviously, none of us have been around an 0-6 Nebraska team, but I've never been around a team You weren't around in 45? Yeah, Actually, no. they they, went, they didn't go 0-6 no, in 45. No, this yeah, is this the is, worst – This is unprecedented. Well, it's 10 so, in a row from last year. Yeah. But, I mean, I can't, are you guys shocked by the demeanor of the coaches and the players? Because – it, had this been last year and that team last year was 0-6 or even not even that bad, I mean, they, it was uh, it was the, the demeanor, everyone, I mean, it was, that was a lost cause last year. It was Here, clear to see. Here's the difference. Last year you had an athletic director already fired. You already you had a bunch of coaches that were kind of piecemealed together. Bob Diaco was shoved in here. Brian... Um, the secondary coach, the, the guy that came from Akron that they, I mean, they had a mismatched staff of guys that had hardly worked together. It just wasn't on the same page. And you knew that, I mean, it was so dysfunctional at the end. This is not dysfunctional as we know, this is a very yeah. cohesive staff of guys that have worked together and they know they have time where last year at this time, guys were brushing up their resumes. I mean, they, they knew that, you know what, let's try to win games, but we're fired we're, we know we're not keeping our jobs at this point. Well, I think part of that positivity, too, comes during the week uh, when they can see uh, for themselves on film just how much better they are as a football team across the board than they were even in week one against Colorado. And uh, yes, it has not turned into uh, any difference on the scoreboard as far as wins and losses, but there is tangible evidence of this team making progress. And it's a lot slower than anybody would want. But, you know, you put in the game film of that Troy game and put in the game film against Northwestern, put them side by side, they're not the same football team. That Nebraska was significantly better than it was earlier in the year. I mean, even to Michigan, uh, you know, they just look like a completely different football team. And so it's been incremental, painfully at times, but they are making progress. And so I think that's where that optimism comes from. Uh, yes, they're still excited about the future and continuing to build this roster the way they want it. But this team right now is getting better, and eventually it will turn into wins. And let me say this. When you have 20,000-plus fans, Nate, travel out to go see you, you better show up and play. I mean, yeah. there, I mean, I said this after the game. There's not a team in the world that 20,000 people would travel to watch that's and whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's unheard of. It's unreal. And, you know, yeah, Nebraska fans want the weekend in Chicago because we, we ran into a lot of them that are having a good time even after the game on Saturday night. But um, I, I, I think the, the support of the fan base – really magnifies it more just because most teams that are winless people aren't traveling media aren't traveling but there's still this microscope of belief on this program and if that doesn't get you going i don't know what will yeah people are still invested in the program and and are willing to to ride this thing out there that's that's for sure um but i i do think that it's just it's still remarkable that 
that these guys can be in the the right frame of mind uh, after getting <laughs> after getting their you know just their tails kicked you know every single week and um you know i I do feel like they're so close to to kind of having having that dam burst uh and finally putting it all together that uh um you know that's got to be somewhat of a motivator for these guys you're listening here to the husker online show as uh, we wrap up our opening thoughts here uh, in this segment briefly robin you were also in chicago for big 10 basketball media days i know we're gonna talk a lot of hoops here in the heart of football season but um, you, you walked away with a lot of good stuff about Nebraska basketball this season as well. Well, just the contrast in where Nebraska stood in the Big Ten realm uh, was pretty star- uh, striking. I mean, there was, Nebraska was a big deal there, uh, and for, for good reason. I mean, they were preseason picked. I think on the unofficial poll, there's no official preseason rankings, which is weird, but they were picked fourth, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of reason why. They returned the most veteran, um, you know, as far as production goes roster in the conference um, and have you know potentially four pros at whatever level uh, coming back to lead the way for a team that has very lofty expectations and so the overall theme was uh, the bar has been raised uh, but within the program itself uh, that bar might be higher than anybody else and they're ready to live up to the challenge all right we're going to have a lot of time to talk basketball this year on the Husker online show as in December it's going to be a fairly quiet month compared to what we've been used to I think in December's past but Uh, So we'll talk plenty of hoops here on the show, but we're going to focus obviously on football, Nebraska, Minnesota. When we come back, we're going to discuss the offensive storylines, including Noah Vedrill's waiver and what that means for Nebraska next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I I think Noah uh, could make us better. Uh, I wish we'd got that ruling early. Um, on top of everything else, he's the most familiar with our scheme of anybody on campus. We're definitely not going to burn a year with him if we can help it. So, and In fact, we're not, uh, but he's good enough to be on the field for us. So if there's opportunities to get him in for four games, uh, I'd love to see that happen for him. If it was Saturday, that'd be Coach Frost's decision. But just based on the amount of reps they've had and so on and so forth, I would anticipate it would be Andrew. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. This segment of the program brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's on Saturday as uh, they'll have the Husker game on if you're not going to be down in Lincoln. Also a great place to go after the Husker game and watch all the other college football and NFL action there on Sunday. That's Tanner Sports Bar and Grill in both Omaha here and Lincoln. Well, you just heard Scott Frost and Mario Verdusco, uh, Robin and Nate, talking about the waiver that they got for uh, Noah Vedral. And this was an interesting deal because it took so long. And the whole turn of events was crazy. They get an email on Friday when they landed in Chicago about 4.30 Central Time. The last flight that leaves Lincoln to Chicago is at 6 o'clock. So in that little period, they had to basically tell Matt Masker – we're booking you on the commercial flight and you're going home. And then Noah Vedral got on that flight. So Noah Vedral was on that last Lincoln flight that landed in Chicago. And then Matt Masker had to get on that flight and go back to Lincoln. And you feel a little bit for Matt Masker. I believe his parents, I know, were driving on their way into Chicago. Um, but that's kind of the big business of college football. There's, there's, there's going to be moments like this that aren't fair. Um, you know, you're trying to win games, and Noah Bedrill is their most veteran sideline presence at the quarterback position in terms of knowing the system. But now the question is, what can he really do this year? Why did it take so long? First of all, I talked to um, the, the compliance director, Jamie Vaughn, about that. He said this was not a deal where we were, 
you know, sitting on paperwork and screwed something up. It was a highly complex case. I cannot get into what, what why it took this long, uh, but he said um, the NCAA really reviewed this thing. So there had to be another thing, Nate or Robin, um, whether it was a family issue or some sort of special waiver, Nate, that was delaying this that they really were looking at. Yeah, there, well, there had to be some sort of precedent set somewhere else in a similar case where they were kind of comparing, trying to compare apples to apples here. Um, and, and I don't know, the, the whole thing is really confusing because I remember when we first talked with Noah back in early August, he made it sound like the coaches told him that it was, it was over and done with, that there was no chance that it wasn't happening, that he'd gotten word that, that the waiver was not going to happen. And then all of a sudden Adrian Martinez goes down and, and they, they, there's word that they're trying to push things through all of a sudden. And so, I mean, the whole thing is really strange. But, yeah, there, there had to be some, some sort of family deal or some sort of precedent where they, they found that the NCAA had cleared a similar case in the past and they tried to use that as to why he deserved to be uh, cleared uh, this season. You know, I'm going back to – Poor Masker. You know, I, I envision it being like in The Bachelor when they like vote a guy off and he doesn't get a rose. Like, you have time to say your goodbyes and gather your things. <laughs> I, I, I look at it as more as in um, Hard Knocks. Matt, bring come your, into my office and bring your playbook. Bring your playbook. <laughs> Coach wants to see you. But anyway, yeah, obviously there was probably a lot of unsaid elements involved with that. And, you know, you got to think. Frost said it was an NCAA issue. So if it wasn't a Nebraska issue, it was an NCAA issue. That only leads one or two maybe other parties involved that could have held that thing up, um, you know, speculate from there. But uh, I don't know if Vedral is going to make the immediate impact people thought. I mean, he adds depth. He's another quarterback body that they trust. But like, you know, Verduska was saying um, on Wednesday that uh, he just hasn't gotten much reps with the first team at all. He didn't do anything. Or the second team. Yeah, or the second team. He's basically the scout team guy all spring. And that's why he struggled in that spring game. And then, you know, he was basically – like you said, Nate, they were kind of ruled him off as uh, wasn't going to play this year, and so he didn't work uh, with those you know, top three or four guys all off season. Uh, and so now to expect him to be fully ready to take over the offense at the drop of a hat, I just don't know if he's ready there. So I think Andrew Bunch is still your your number two um, if it comes to that. Um, but at least now your emergency situation, you feel a whole lot better about that. And as the season goes along, you know, and he gets more reps under his belt. Maybe he takes the reins and as that number two. I thought it was interesting, Nate. The coaching staff kind of took blame for that spring game because Noah Vedral did not look good in the spring game. He struggled a lot. And Verduska's that's on us. He wasn't really repped at all, and we just threw him out there. And that was why he struggled because, you know, you go back and watch him. He looked pretty good at UCF the year before. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was, and, you know, it seemed like he'd just walk in there and make it look easy. And it's not that easy. You need repetitions. Yeah, it's it's you, you can't just come off, off the bench cold and after – uh, you know, after sitting a while and, and not having any reps and, and go out there and, and, and perform to a level that, uh, you know, that, that they expect or that they want. Uh, the good thing is, though, I think this is more of a case of knocking the rust off in terms in, instead of, you know, learning. You know, like, like Frost said in the open, he knows more about this offense than anybody on campus uh, outside of the coaching staff. And so uh, I, I don't think that learning curve is going to be all, all that big for him. It's just more about just kind of knocking the rust off and getting back into the, the swing of things. And in the meantime, having him on the sideline uh, to be able to help signal in plays and essentially having another quarterback's coach 
on the sideline for Adrian Martinez, that's value in itself. I mean, to have him there at Northwestern, um, to be able to have another voice along with Mario Verduzco, uh, I mean, that's that's invaluable for a young freshman quarterback to just have two guys that know the offense better than anyone um, coaching you as the game goes from the sideline, especially on the road. Because Noah, Noah's a highly intelligent kid. I mean, like a 4.0 level smart, type stu- yeah. student. So, yeah, his his presence will, will mean a lot here, especially on some of these road trips. I want to hit on Divino Zigbo, guys, here as we continue up into the discussion. Graded out the number one running back in the country by Pro Football Focus with his performance last week at Northwestern. You know, there was a point there late in the fourth quarter he wasn't in, and you wonder. I know they were trying to keep guys fresh, but man, when you got the guy that's the hottest back right now in the country according to the pro grades that got released afterwards, um, you wonder if they regret taking him out for that one series. And and I know he got in there for the final final one. They weren't able to get the first down on, but. Um, you know, he, he's really having a little run here the last few weeks. Nebraska needs to hitch that wagon to Divino Zigbo's back and ride it until he can no longer pull it. I mean, he is that type of player right now. He is playing by far the best football of his career, and you could say he is the best offensive player Nebraska has right now with the way he was running. J.D. Spielman, too. Obviously yeah, I mean, there, it's, a, it's debatable. But, I mean, Divino Zigbo has rushed for, what, over 300 yards in two games. I mean, taking away the – Five-carry day at Madison. Uh, the, yeah, the Madison game where they just didn't run the football. Uh, so, you know, I mean, he, he is playing the best football of his career. I've made a joke on Twitter during the game that he's running like Earl Campbell, and I'm only kind of joking about that. He was running with just anger, and not only that, and, you know, his physical self, he was making people miss at the next level. About that, 70% of his yards came after yeah, contact. He was breaking tackles. I mean, that's the, kind of the one knock on him. Yes, he was able to move the pile for four yards, but he was never able to make that cut and break a tackle and get to the open field, and um, that dynamic to his game kind of backs up what the staff had been saying for so long about how he's the strongest and fastest and leanest he's ever been. It's showing right now, and so with it, you know, a young quarterback that you don't want to put too much pressure on, I say ride a Zigbo all day until you know he finally needs a break yeah you, I think you, you got to feed the beast right now I mean he's on a roll uh Greg Austin said following Wednesday's practice that uh that the light has really come on for him over the past couple of weeks because he's fully comfortable in this offense he, he's finally kind of knows the ins and outs and, and he's not necessarily thinking about things he's just it's just coming natural to him and uh, you know, on the telecast, uh, the the uh, the announcers kept saying that that Troy Walters in their in their uh, pregame meetings kind of said that that Divine's not going to make too many people miss, but you know he's a strong physical runner. Well, he was making people miss. I mean, he was showing that one touchdown run. Yeah, I mean that was amazing. So uh, he is he is definitely uh, he's the hot hand right now, and and I think you got to keep feeding him going forward. All right, when we come back, we are going to shift our discussion over to the defense. How does Nebraska rebound? after such a tough close to that game at Northwestern. We'll discuss that and more next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, I expect the same thing from our um, fans. Our fans are great. Uh, they love football. They love the game more than anything. And and it's just we we need to give them, give them a win. And uh, I just hope they uh, rally behind us and just uh, inspire us and, uh, you know, turn us up this weekend as well. The defense going to be um, hyped to shut down um, Minnesota. And uh, we're just ready. We're ready to give them what they uh, long for. And that's the first win of the season. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. That was senior linebacker Mohamed Berry. Just 
coming back home, I mean, Nebraska's been on the road, guys, three out of the four last weekends. It's been kind of a grind. It's about as much as you'll see a Division One football team ever travel. You'll rarely ever see three in a row. I don't know if that's even possible, but three out of four – um, you know, for this team, um, it has been a grind. They'll be back home. It will be interesting to see kind of what, what the crowds are like. Uh, we just did a story the last this last week on our Big Rider business about scan ticket numbers. And over the first four games, no surprise, they're way up compared to the first four games a year ago. The real story now will be what will these last few games look like. And I think you have to kind of throw Bethune-Cookman out the window because that's going to be an outlier, kind of an extra deal that they weren't anticipating. And a lot of people – you know, maybe had plans already set up. But Saturday's Minnesota game, Michigan State and Illinois will be interesting to see. But let's talk about the defense, guys. When you when you look at this defense, arguably their front seven played one of their best games of the season. They shut down the run against Northwestern. Dedrick Young played well. He's been the point of a lot of criticism. The problems were more on the back end. And a lot of criticism last week about maybe how they had Aaron Williams lined up in the nickel and Flynn Nagel from Northwestern just took him to task. Um, on that matchup alone, it was responsible for 180 yards and seven of the 10 catches Aaron Williams gave up came to Flynn Nagel on Saturday. Yeah, and that was pretty staggering. I don't know if I've seen a performance like that when you really break down. Four penalties by yeah, Aaron Williams, too. I mean, that was, <laughs> that's about as bad of a day as you can have. And uh, I guess to Aaron, Aaron's credit, you know, according to Travis Fisher this week, he came back on Monday uh, like a real professional, you know, didn't hang his head and wasn't, you know, disgruntled or anything and actually had a really good practice. So, I mean, he, he's he's bouncing back as well as you could. But um, Nebraska is going to be adjust, I think. That, that kind of opened their eyes a little bit as to now is the time to really start to shake things up with that back end of the defense. You have some young corners that you've been trying to ease along. Um, you know, Cam Taylor is going to play a bigger role. Uh, Braxton Clark is going to play a bigger role. Uh, the worst news of all is, you know, C.J. Smith was really uh, on the rise. They had a, they, he, they traveled him and had big plans for him for their defense going forward. And, of course, he blows his knee out uh, on a punt return uh, and his loss for the season just when he was starting to really get into the mix. So, um, But that, I still think that you're going to see Taylor and Clark become much more involved in this defense, particularly in man packages. Uh, you know, when they are going to play that press man, um, they don't want to – Put a guy like Aaron Williams, who clearly struggles in that role, uh, out there to just get picked on all day. Uh, and so another option is moving Deontay Williams, who's been primarily a safety, uh, moving him out to the perimeter. Um, you know, he also has cornerback experience, uh, and that is a position that I think they feel good about him with his physicality uh, being able to handle that man-to-man responsibility. So uh, I think that they're going to shake some things up a little bit because they know they have to. They cannot have a performance like they did at Northwestern where basically Clayton Thorson and Flynn Nagel were playing catch uh, with the football with you know zero uh, coverage. It was too easy, especially on that 99-yard drive. Um, so uh, they, they got to do something, and I think that you're starting to see some of their plans going forward, at least for the next couple weeks, on how they're going to improve uh, that secondary play. Well, you're right. They've got to change something up because, I mean, football is a copycat game, and, and they kind of they kind of put the blueprint out there as to just another way to, to kind of take advantage of this defense. So if they don't adjust, uh, there's going to be teams on the schedule going forward that, that try to attack them in the same manner.
manner. Now, obviously, not everyone's got a Clayton Thorson and a Flynn Nagel. Uh, some teams, though, that they face, like in Ohio State, they, they've got much better than Clayton Thorson and Flynn Nagel. So, uh, you know, that's that's something that they've got to fix. they got to try and find something that, that works in that back end. But I, I do agree. I think the front seven played really well. Uh, you know, they're, and they're they're making strides. But again, it, it, you gotta you gotta get out of your own way when you when you need a stop. You've got to find a way to get it. You can't have that roughing the the passer penalty uh, to to bail Northwestern out of their own end zone. And uh, you, you can't give two them, fourth and tens. Yeah, two they fourth allowed. and tens. I mean, Clayton Thorson had to have a the perfect drive to win that game, and and he he had to do fifteen things right, and he did it all fifteen. I yep. mean, Nebraska just stops like one out of fifteen things. It kind of reminded me of the BYU game years ago I mean all Nebraska really had to do was about one thing on that last drive and they couldn't do it I mean if they tackled BYU short of a first down marker the clock would have kept rolling and we saw that on Saturday I mean if Nebraska makes that tackle at the one yard line and the guy doesn't get in on the touchdown and regulation clock runs out game's over but the fact that he was able to get in um, and get over the tackle I mean there's so many of those what ifs if this would have happened and, and that's that's the season in a nutshell yeah. it's, it's kind of been Unfortunately, that kind of season for everything, you know, this, that, or whatever could have mattered, you know, the the, the Akron game getting canceled, Martinez's knee injury, you know, Jebbia's transfer. It's just been every week there's been something like this that we've had to kind of delve through, and it does get exhausting after a while when you when you try to think about it. And I can't only imagine, Robin, what Scott Frost and Eric Shenander are thinking right now. Well, I mean, Frost said it himself. There are things happening to this team that he has never seen before in the game of football. And how do you how do you prepare for that? I mean, how do you prepare for a, a situation when you're up two scores with four minutes left and you blow a ten point lead in the final seconds? I mean, that, that's stuff that. Um, I just, you know, it's easy to say, you know, what we need to do to, to fix this thing. How do you fix what you can't expect? Uh, and that's the real problem that this team is having right now. As you know, Nate said, they found every single way to lose a game this year. Uh, and that's because they've had so many unique circumstances they've had to try and overcome a lot of times on the fly. And so I guess, you know, silver lining to all this uh, going forward, there's not going to be a lot this staff hasn't seen that they won't have already seen going back to their time at UCF and especially this season. Um, so that makes you feel a little bit better uh, about, you know, their plan going forward. But in the meantime, it's made for a very frustrating and difficult first six games of the season. I mean, just think about it. It's, it's, what a humbling learning experience this has been for this staff that went undefeated last year <laughs> and now has not won a game at all this season. And then they come home on Sunday to four inches of snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's <Welcome> like, home. <laughs> not only did we give you an 0-6 start here at Nebraska, but all you Orlando boys, we're going to sh- shove four inches of snow on the ground in mid-October. Welcome to Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, it's it, – and I think these guys have been good sports about it. I mean, they, they, they've been hard on guys, but, you know, the question, and we'll talk about this later, Nate, is – the, the where, you know, how do you do with recruiting? How do you sell this to recruits? And, I mean, you, you can sell opportunity. We talk about that all the time. You, this is why you come here because we don't have this and that. You're going to be the guy that gets us that. But um, they've got to put some wins out there eventually um, to put some tangible evidence out there. Yeah, that's that's the – you're entering that territory right now where – uh, you know the the shine is kind of starting to wear off of of the excitement of the new hire and 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 what they accomplished last year and and now you you got to start putting some tangible results together 
because you can only kind of tout the the opportunity card and, and play that card so often. So um, you know, what, ultimately, what you'd like to see is is for these guys to somehow put it together and, and uh, show some evidence, some tangible results that, that things are things are trending in the right direction to, to finish this season off and to, uh, to kind of give them a little bit of momentum uh, on the recruiting trail. Well, and really, outside of that Michigan game, uh, there have been situations all year long where one side of the ball is playing really well and the other struggling. And then as soon as the other side of the ball gets going, the other side of the ball shuts down. And so, I mean, that was obviously the, the, the Northwestern game was the closest this team has gotten to playing a f- complete football game for four quarters. And obviously both sides of the ball shut down in the final minutes. Uh, but, you know, that I think is, is tangible evidence. When you look at film and you see how well you played and how there was actually points where your defense was getting stops and forcing turnovers, and your offense was putting up points and putting up almost 500 yards. Uh, I mean, those are the types of things that I think you can encourage uh, and keep that optimism, uh, you know, not only for the guys inside your locker room, but as a co- as coaching staff on the recruiting front, you can say, look, look what we did. Look at the, the, the tangible things that you can see of how this team is getting better. Uh, and I think that's as important as anything next to actually winning games is that you have, you can put it on film and you can specifically show this is where we improve. This is where we're going to keep improving. And when we add you to the mix, you're going to put us over the top. All right, when we come back, Husker Online intern Alec Rome will join us here in studio as we'll take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I think Luke's done a good job of rushing the passer. We need to find more pass rushers right now. We had a lot of chances to rush the passer in, in the game in, in Northwestern. Uh, I thought they had a you know a pretty good O-line. The young tackle was a really good football player, but we need to find a way to get to the passer. And part of that is, is having some of those pressures dialed up. If you get home on a couple of those pressures, they have to respect the protection a little bit more. And we did not get home and or we gave up coverage. So to be able to mix those in will help the other pass rushers when it's just a four-man rush. And I think we have to develop those kids a little more and do a better job with five-man pressure. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Nate Klaus, and uh, bringing in now Husker Online intern Alec Rome, as you just heard hey, from hey. Eric Shenander about Nebraska's lack of pass rush. But Alec, you made your first road trip uh, with the That's Husker right. Online line t- uh, team. We treated you to some good Chicago pizza in Evanston over the weekend. Absolutely, Lou Malnati's, and that was all the very delicious, great stuff there in Chicago. You get used time. to this traveling. Yeah, I know, yeah, this traveling around, going places, covering football. I mean, what a, what a life. It, <laughs> it, hard knock life for some people on the road, you know. It's just terrible. Well, you guys, you guys had a drive in the snowstorm, so I was, I was thinking of you guys as we were on our plane ride home. But <laughs> yeah, I hope they haven't crashed in a ditch somewhere. That would be good. Well, what but, do you got? We got a mailbag this week. What do you have to start us out with? Yes, uh, with Noah Vedrill now having the chance to get reps this season, does he have a chance to take over the starting job next year considering he's familiar with the system Nebraska is trying to run? And this is no knock on Noah Vedrill at all uh, because I have a lot of respect for him, his family, his abilities. Uh, I, I just don't think he is physically in, in the same category as Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez is bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. He's got a better arm. Um, so I'm going to say no at this point. I, I think Adrian Martinez has the clear edge. I mean, he's put a blueprint on the field this year that other Big Ten schools at this point are saying, wow, we do not want to see this guy for the next three or four years. Um, and I just don't know if they have any other quarterbacks on the team that could say that. So I would say right now I would Adrian Martinez – has a clear, clear edge on that job for next year. There is zero chance he takes the starting job from Adrian Martinez, but 
what his presence could do is change how Nebraska uses Adrian Martinez. No longer will they be sitting there worried about if Adrian goes down, we have this massive drop-off to a walk-on, you know, that is basically going to change the complexion of our offense. They have a guy that knows the offense better than anyone on the entire team uh, that you you can fall back on who actually has experience playing in a game in this system. So I think that might be the biggest impact Noah Vedrill has as far as games next season. Yeah, that's totally the game changer right there is is how uh you can kind of take the training wheels off of uh uh adrian martinez right now because you know you've got a guy like vedrol back there backing him up I, and, and coach frost has said as much that adrian martinez is is our guy he's he's the guy that is going to lead us in the future he's our future quarterback and so uh you know when the head man is talking like that i don't see there being any reason why you would think vedrol is going to be able to, to knock him off how badly does Nebraska want to dominate Minnesota after they ran it up last year? And what are Nebraska's major keys to victory? See, I'm one of those ones that don't look at that game last year as Minnesota running it up. I look at it as more Nebraska wasn't prepared, and it was a team that gave up on the coaching staff and the game plan that Bob Diaco had in place. They were defensively not prepared, and Tanner Lee then left that game suddenly at halftime, and it put them in a precarious situation where they didn't know Tanner Lee. All of a sudden, he went in the locker room at halftime, and they're like, oh, my God, Tanner Lee doesn't even know where he's at right now. He had a concussion that he suffered in that game um, and they pulled him. So I don't think P.J. Fleck tried to run that up. I really don't. I think it was more Nebraska was not prepared and they just got their butts kicked. Yeah, Minnesota didn't run it up. Nebraska laid down. Yes. That was that was a disaster from the very get-go uh, where Nebraska didn't want to be there. They didn't want to play the football game. They just wanted to get out of there. And that get opening the kickoff over. Yeah. went back for a touchdown mm-hmm. or as a punt that Minnesota I, ran yeah, back. It, it, they started right out of the gates, and Nebraska was just done from right then and there. And so if you consider running the score up, just running the ball up the middle, and none of your <laughs> defenders even trying to tackle the ball carrier – Sure, Minnesota ran the score. The quarterback that killed Nebraska that day, PJ Fleck, ran him out of town he at the end of the terrible. season. And that very next week, I think he like had one of the worst games of the season. So I mean, that had nothing to do with Minnesota. It had everything to do with Nebraska. Yeah, it's not like PJ Fleck was was throwing the ball all over the yard and trying to trying to rack up points. If you can't stop a play, then I think every coach in America it would be crazy to not run the, that play until you force the other team to stop it and in nebraska just they could not or they would not stop it same difference we're taking your questions here in the mailbag with husker online intern alec rome why hasn't the special teams put cole from in to kick field goals yet well you know that guy on the driving range they can drive in a mile but then when you take him to the course and the accuracy is not there on the actual golf course that's cole from he can kick the ball a mile he just doesn't have the consistency and the accuracy. And that's what I've heard from multiple people. You watch warm-ups. He's got a stronger leg, uh, but the consistency is just not there. Yeah, and I guess they're just probably not trying to just completely bail on a true freshman uh, who you know was on scholarship for a reason. I mean, he was one of the better kickers when he came here. Uh, but clearly there's just something going on between the years with Barrett Pickering right now. I don't know what it is. Uh, but there, it's an issue right now to where it's kind of changing the way Scott Frost manages games. If you know they had more trust in Barrett Pickering, I'll bet you they kick a field goal in that the overtime situation. Uh, I mean, the fact that he had missed a short field goal and an extra point earlier in that game, um, he wanted to keep the ball in the offense's hand. And so, I mean, that's going to be interesting how they manage games going forward if they go for it more often when they're inside their own forward or even on inside their own 30 just because they don't have that faith in their kicking game right now yeah Fromm's got uh, one heck of a leg but I don't know 
uh, how much touch he necessarily has uh, or how refined he really is. But uh, with, with Pickering, uh, you know, he's – He's your young guy on scholarship. I think you have to try and, and bring him along, develop him. You know, and Drew Brown, thinking back, you know, he didn't set the world on fire his freshman year, uh, but but he was able. You remember to- the Holiday Bowl? They could have kicked a field goal to tie USC. Yep. In his freshman year, and they chose to go for it. Yep. And I remember his brother Chris was very upset, but that was the confidence back then they had in true freshman Drew Brown as well. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm by no means ready to to write Barrett Pickering off and and say, well, this guy's a lost cause. What do you think the top mental roadblocks are right now for this Husker team? Just remembering how to win. I mean, I, I think when you've lost 10 games in a row and you look at just the last stretch of, you know, if you go back to Ohio State of 2016 to now, I mean, Nebraska football has only won, I think, six total games. I mean, you think about that. I mean, Maryland and Minnesota, those two wins to close 16 they got four wins last year, none this year. Um, so you're, you're looking at a period that spans almost over three years where Nebraska has only won six games, and, and that's scary. And I, I think you've got to reteach these guys how to mentally dial in, focus, and win football games, and that is so much easier said than done. No doubt. I mean, it's been a, almost a full calendar year since they've won a game. Uh, and th- 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 that's a lot to be said about just – how a team, you know, we're talking about all these issues of Nebraska finishing and, um, you know, not having that killer instinct. Well, you haven't done it in a full year. Uh, it, you just, it takes some time. You actually have to act, get that experience again to remember what it takes to win games. And so, you know, I've mentioned, I've made this comparison before, but is it kind of like the chicken or the egg situation? Do you need confidence to win a game like that Northwestern game? Or you need to win that game to have the confidence and belief that you can actually do it. I mean, what, what needs to happen first? Does Nebraska just need to have everything come together and get that confidence to win? Or do they need to go in and you know put all of their past failures aside and fully believe that they're going to do it uh, and to finally accomplish it? And, and I guess right now we don't know the answer to that because it's been so long since they've been in that situation. Yeah, well, the good thing is, like we mentioned earlier, is that they're in a, a good state of mind right now considering the circumstances. So – uh, I think as soon as that win does come, we'll, we'll see uh, things turn around quicker. All right, we got time for one last one, Alec. Yes, Halloween is two weeks from today. So the question is, when is too old to trick-or-treat, and when is too old to dress up in a costume? <sighs> we will trick-or-treat with our kids. Obviously, they're all too young. My kids are too young to be by themselves, but... Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you get together with a few other families, go to someone's house, and the dads all walk, and we may have a beverage in our hand. We may not. I can neither confirm nor deny, but um, it's a lot of fun to go out with the kids and see how excited they are to go up to the doors. And um, I think, you can, yeah, I mean, you can wear a costume. I mean, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you, you know, families theme up and wear different costumes at Halloween, I, I won't probably wear one, but I, I don't have a problem with that. There is no age limit on wearing a costume. In fact, I think costumes – uh, are one of the better things as far as holidays go when you get dress up like a complete idiot and get creative with it. Um, and be accepted, I think, is yeah. the big part. So my, our issue is, you know, before they would have night practices or games on Halloween, so Sean and I have been really limited in our opportunities to really dial in the Figure out a wrap-up on Tuesdays. <laughs> exactly. Kill me. So, you know, this one is on a Wednesday. We'll be done with practice. We'll be done with the podcast. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to try and, you know, kick, no it road up, games. Kick, kick it up a notch here this year. Well, you, yeah, you can dress up, but you can't go around stuffing your, you know, getting candy and, and being that guy. You know what? I get so annoyed when I've got like high school kids 
that come to my door and and just open up their bags wanting candy. Sometimes they don't even say trick or treat. It's like get out of here. What are you? I'm a student. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So so that is where I kind of draw the line. I, I think you can dress up, but if you if you are old enough to to uh, drive a car or yeah, if shave, you're driving house to house. Yeah. If you're driving house <laughs> to house and and you've got a five o'clock shadow and you show up at my door expecting candy, I'm going to promptly tell you to to exit the premises. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of the mailbag. Thank you very much, Alec. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, now you have three quarterbacks that have played that we know that, you know, if they get their chance and go in and produce. And so it gives us as a staff more comfort in, in running our offense and not worrying about if, if Adrian goes down or Bunchy goes down, we can just go play. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was quarterbacks coach uh, Troy Walters talking about the quarterbacks and now the depth that the Huskers have um, in this season with uh, Noah Bedrill back. He also talked, Nate, about one of their pitches to recruits, and he said, we're like a stock. You know, Right now you can buy in at this stock. It's going to be a great stock, and you can buy in at it real cheap. And, and that's kind of the message they're telling to the recruits. Like, look, get in this stock now. Because in a year or two, you're going to want to be involved with this type of program. Yeah, you want to get in on the ground floor with, with this thing right now because um, while the, the record may not look all that great, uh, the, the, the where you're going to be at a year or two from now is, is going to be basically polar opposite of, of what things appear to be on the surface uh, at this current time. So, um, and, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, the, the, the recruits, the football players can watch Nebraska on TV and see some good things. They, they, they know this is a transition year. They can see this team progressing, um, you know, and, and, and from talking with a lot of the commitments, you know, the, the message hasn't changed. There has not been any panic from this coaching staff. And I think that counts for so much because if this staff had been telling these commits from, you know, one thing from the time they started recruiting them to the time they committed and all of a sudden now once they're struggling through six games having not won, um, they're try- starting to tell them something completely different. I, I think all of a sudden you, you start to, to question what's really going on there. But the message has been consistent. It really has not changed. And all the commitments are completely on board. The, these guys are solid. Um, now, obviously, you know, until the, the, you know, until you've signed the letter of intent, you're going to have other teams kind of poking around and prodding around and, and trying to entice guys to go on visits elsewhere. And, um, you know, and, and that may or may not happen. But right now, as things stand, I just I do not see a weak link in this commitment or in this recruiting class. And I, I think that's a great sign for this co- for this coaching staff. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus and Nate, you had a chance to go down to Oklahoma to watch one of Nebraska's commits. And you, you've really almost seen most of the guys now in person um, in this class play games this year. Jamie Nance, um, you, you had a chance to watch him play. I know he didn't put up a big game, but he's had a big season. Uh, what were your thoughts down in Oklahoma this weekend? Well, yeah, Jamie Nance has had a monster season so far and helping to, to lead Blanchard to a, a 6-1 and one record. And, and, I mean, he is electric. This kid, he might end up being one of the steals 
of, of this entire class at this point in time. He's 6'1", 180 pounds or so, and he can flat out fly. I mean, he is he's the definition of a game breaker uh, with, with his speed. He, he can really uh, change change the game in a heartbeat. And, and, uh, and I think that's exactly what Nebraska wants. They need playmakers too because after you lose uh, Stanley Morgan this year, you know, J.D. Spielman is is having a good year, but you, you need some more playmakers on that offense. And I think Jamie Nance can definitely do that. And maybe more than anything, he's got the opportunity to come in and be a dynamic punt returner and kick returner right off the bat, too. Uh, he has returned, I think, four total kicks, two kickoffs, two punt returns. Um, and and you're right, he did not have the biggest game um, the other night, but he impacted that game. You know, he doesn't need to necessarily stuff the stat sheet to have a huge impact. And and really, on the special teams, the 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 opposition was so afraid to punt to him that they were shanking punts 15 yards out of bounds. And so uh, his offense had great field position all night long. Uh, and he's a great kid too. You know, as soon as we showed up. Uh, people for everyone from from parents in the booster club to the band director to, to photographers and local newspaper guys were saying, "Oh man, Jamie Nance is a great kid. You guys are going to love this kid. He's he's this, he's that." I mean, and that's what you want to hear, and that's exactly what you want to hear. Just random strangers that have it's not like the coach telling you, "Oh, he's a great kid." Well, yeah, most coaches are going to say that about their player, but when you got some random you know newspaper with um, not a dog in the fight, yeah, doesn't care who's wearing an Oklahoma Sooners hat telling you how great and wonderful this kid is and how how special of a, a, a player and a kid that Nebraska is getting it, it resonates a little bit now Nate Nebraska doesn't have a bye week anymore and this would have been kind of the territory of the year after this weekend's game that they would have been able to get out for Bethune Cookman um, do you have any idea like what their game plan is going to be if they're going to try to slip out next week at all or will they have a regular practice week with Bethune Cookman uh, because, you know, it, it is the one real negative of not having the bye week is you're not able to get out and make a week of, you know, evaluations. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what the exact plan is going to be, but we saw right before they, they played Wisconsin, we saw a handful of coaches making some visits. On a um, night game, it's real easy to do. Yeah, and it's real easy to do. Um, but I, I would anticipate, you know, maybe one or two coaches getting out during the week next week leading up to the Bethune-Cookman game. Um, you know, Ryan Held in particular, I, th- I think that he could be a guy to, to go out and, and hit up a couple junior college, um, you know, programs, whether it be in Kansas or, or out in California, Arizona, Mississippi, whatever. Um, I, I think that's very, very likely to happen. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Nebraska kind of gets out to a couple other of their top targets. You know, they've already been out to see Bryce Benhart, the offensive tackle out of Minnesota. They've been down to see Javen Wright, uh, the, the cornerback in, in Arizona. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get out and see, you know, a, a Jamel Starks uh, down in down in Atlanta or or a couple of other guys like that um, you know next week since since I mean obviously still every game's important right now but I think you could afford to have one or two coaches kind of get out on the road for for a night or two uh, during the week now Nate uh, Nebraska will have four official visitors in this weekend one of them being Jamie Nance 
Yeah, actually, it's it's up to five official visitors now. Darian Chase, who's a six foot, hundred and eighty pound uh, athlete out of Washington, is also uh, confirmed to to be in town this weekend. He's coming up with his mother, uh, being recruited. He plays both sides of the football, being recruited as a wide receiver. So you've got Jamie Nance, a wide receiver, commands uh, commit. Uh, you've got Darian Chase, a wide receiver, target out of Washington, and then uh, a couple couple different uh, you know defensive backs. Well, Jared Baker out of Florida is also a wide receiver target and then you've got Tavian Mayo who's been a longtime cornerback target of theirs out of Georgia a guy that they've been extremely high on uh, and who has also been extremely high on Nebraska for a very long time and then maybe the headliner of the of the entire group is Noah Pola Gates who's a four-star safety out of Arizona um, who's got official visit to, to Alabama yet to take. Uh, he's already been out to Penn State. Uh, Arizona State and Oregon are the other teams that are involved there. But uh, he's probably one of the more high-profile guys that, that has visited in a while, uh, in addition to a guy like a Wandale Robinson or whatever. But uh, So I'm really interested to see exactly how this visit goes for, for a guy like Noah Pulligates and, and where the Huskers sit with him uh, after this weekend because – um, I, I think for for a guy that's as high profile as he is to to be able to get him on campus, considering you know all the circumstances that the staff is dealing with, I think really speaks to how well um, they're they're kind of selling the future and, and recruiting right now. All right, we'll have plenty of coverage this weekend of all the recruiting action on campus. So make sure on HuskerOnline.com, as not only that, we'll have you up to date on all the action from Saturday's Nebraska Minnesota game. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.